What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Mets Legends Podcast. I am your co-host, Michael Jennings, joined, as always, by the lovely Rob Pearsall, starring today as Mets legend, you know him well, Adrian Gonzalez. Adrian, how you doing? (laughs) I'm good. I'm good. I um, had some good years with the Dodgers, and I was on the the Red Sox for a bit, and... (laughs) I was a Will Pond signing if I ever saw one. Mm-hmm. That was we we love days. those Will Pond signings. <laughs> that was before the days of Pete Alonso, and I remember like everyone was just like, "Give Dom Smith a chance," and then the Mets were like, "We're going to sign Adrian Gonzalez, and he's going to be our starting for his baseman." And everyone was like, "Why? He's so bad." <laughs> yeah, those that that last year of Gonzalez in LA was not his best, obviously. Um, going from one of the premier first basemen to, uh, you know, barely, probably, yeah, yeah, a, a, a below replacement player, um, and yeah, I was, I was definitely one of those people clamoring for Dom Smith back in 2018. So uh, was I. Who, who we will get to later. Good segue. Um, yes. we, we got, we got some good stuff coming up for today. Um, wanted to give a quick update on the bench mob bracket that we've been running uh, between Twitter and Instagram. Uh, be sure to check that out if you haven't voted on your favorite bench mob players yet. Um, but Rob, do you want to just give us a quick rundown of, of how that's been progressing and what your thoughts are? Sure. Yeah. So it's been fun. This is, this was an idea that we all were kind of talking about in the Mets legends group chat Um mm-hmm. One of our lovely graphic designers, Robbie, uh, had brought up wanting to do something like this. Um, And then we got some contributions from you as well, Mike. And we're kind of just like talking about how we wanted to set this up. You know, we had talked about maybe doing like just like a Mets Legends 2021 bracket of like pitchers and um, like, like offensive guys. And then we pretty much just settled on the bench mob because that was a big theme in the 2021 season. Um, and also it gave us a lot of options. You know, we had a full 16 players on the bracket. Um, and I think it was a good time in the off season to do it because we've been rolling out voting every single day. So, um, Mm -hmm. you know, it was all of last week that we did round one and then now we're on round two. Um, and so, yeah, if you guys, uh, follow us on Twitter, follow us on Instagram, um, the second round just started. Uh, we had Luis Guillorme going up against uh, uh, Patrick Mazika, and uh, Luis Guillorme obviously uh, blew him out. I know a lot of people were upset that we had Tomas Nito <laughs> going up against Luis Guillorme in round that's been, one. That's been fun though. Like we've we've had a few of those in round one that have been yeah. just like I don't know, kind of tongue in cheek. Like who are you gonna pick? Uh, well, it's tough, right? Because it's like you don't want to set it up in a way where it feels rigged almost, where it's like you know yeah. it's going to be Guillaume versus Nito. Like, so, um, and, you know, I didn't even First really round. think about it either. The main guys. Like, <laughs> yeah. But but it's even still, it's on the other side. It's like you still had like another good good matchup in like Kevin Pilar versus, versus uh, Peraza. Jose Peraza, you know, and that was a yeah. good matchup too. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, we've heard your concerns and, you know, we want to roll out a similar bracket in March, like a March Madness style thing. So we will be sure to take what you guys are saying in stride <laughs> and also try to incorporate it. Um, 
Yeah, yeah. But yeah, sure. it's been fun. Round two just started. We post every single day on Twitter and Instagram. So be sure to vote. Um, and we will probably be concluding that at some point next week, I'm thinking. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's so only there's only like, what, five or six more total matchups. Well, I guess there's there's four in the second round, and then there's and then yeah, seven be, more. Yeah. Yeah, so we have what? There is – yeah, so we have our second one coming up today, and then tomorrow when this episode will be published will be, like, the third, and then then it'll be, like, the final four and then the final two. So by next, early next week, we'll have a winner. Yeah. Mike, do you want to predict who you think is going to win? Well, I feel like I can definitely predict the final. Uh, yeah. I think it's going to be Luis Guillorme and Kevin Pilar. Um, I think it would have gotten a little more interesting if Peraza had edged out Pilar on that side of the bracket. Uh, totally. Cause then you had four really good candidates on that side. Uh, but I think it's going to be Guillorme and, P- and Pilar. Um, I would vote for Guillorme, but I know there's a lot of love for Pilar out there. So I'm going to guess that Pilar is going to take it. You think Pilar is going to take it. Okay. Yeah. I think, I, th- I think Gior- I'm going to go with Guillorme. I agree with the final matchup, um, but you know what? My underdog on that side of the bracket is Brandon Drury. I think that Brandon yeah. Drury might make it at least to the, to the, to the like conference finals. Like <laughs> mm-hmm. it's going to be him versus Polar, I think. And then on the, on the other side, I don't know. It's like, it, it might be Guillaume. Guillaume is going to make it, I think. Cause yeah. I think it's going to be Guillaume versus Albert Almora. And I think he's going to blow Albert Almora out of the water. I think um, that'll be an easy win for Guillaume as well. Yeah. 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 Maybe I should have put, maybe we should have put Nito in a separate bracket, but you know what? It's a learning experience. It's still fun regardless. It's like, I don't know. I mean, like that, (laughs) that top left part of the bracket, I'm looking at it right now, is it's just brutal. Like Cisco, Mazika, Nito, and Guillaume, all of them are bona fide forever Mets legends, no matter what else they do in their careers. Like some of these guys, we, even us, we will probably forget about some of these guys in the near yeah, future. Like Cameron Maiden. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know if I can ever forget that Cameron Maiden was was wearing a Mets uniform, but like Travis Blankenhorn. Oh yeah. Like I don't know. Even even, uh, even like Mason Williams, I think in a few years will be a guy that you kind of like like slips the mind, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But there was yeah, I like I liked in round one. I thought there were some good. I tried to just like, I don't know. Like I tried to put up guys that in my mind, I kind of grouped together. So like, yeah, you know, I had like Brandon Drury up against Billy McKinney, which I thought was a good matchup. Mm-hmm. Peraza and Pilar were like two quintessential like bench mob guys. So mm-hmm. I had them against each other. I tried to put like Mazika against Cisco because they're both catchers. Um, so it's been fun though. It's like, and I, I like that we get a lot of, We've been getting a lot of votes. Like, you know, we've been averaging yeah. like over a hundred votes and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm yeah. happy with that. Yeah, me too. Um, getting a good sample that, size for sure. And really, and honestly, like really shout out to Robbie. Robbie, if you're listening to this um, and you guys should all follow Robbie yeah. on Twitter. Uh, J.R. Waldrop. J.R. is his Twitter handle. One of the nicest guys out there. Uh, he made the whole bench mob bracket and each graphic. And he's just knocked it out of the park it's so clean crisp mm-hmm. looks beautiful and he's been as integral to this bench mob bracket as all of us so uh, make sure you guys vote twitter instagram we have it on both um and i do take into consideration 
both of what the votes are on Instagram and I take it to consideration on Twitter and I put it together and that's how we determine the winner. So your votes count on both platforms. Um, so that's the benchmark bracket. Um, it's fun and, stuff. It's fun. Yeah. It's fun. It's fun while they're trying to figure out this whole CBA thing, which we can yeah. transition into. Um, yeah. I mean, there's not a whole lot else going on, so you got to make it up where you can. Um, and, and that's what, that's what became the bench mob bracket. And it's been super fun. But, totally. It's like, and that, that's the fun part about like the off season too. It's like, you do have a lot, even in like a normal, like in like a normal off season, like you do have some times in the off season where there's not yeah. a whole lot of movement. Um, obviously, the, obviously the, the, the circumstances are different this year, but it's, you know, it, it's been fun. Um, so the CBA seems like there is, there's been a little bit of movement, you know, they're not like knocking at the door where it's certainly going to, the lockout's going to end tomorrow or this week, but it seems like there is a little bit of progress. There's a little bit of give on, on both sides. You know, they're still far apart in some respects, but uh, it's looking a little bit more optimistic than it was, especially mm-hmm. since they've met twice this week already. Um, so that's a really good sign. Um, I want to ask you, when do you think the lockout will end? Like, how do you see it impacting? Oh, dude. <laughs> that's a loaded you, question. <laughs> if you had to guess. Because like, like truly, if I had to guess, I would say, I would say they'll come to an agreement like mid-March and we're going to have a truncated spring training and we're going to start mid-April. Okay. So you think it's going it, to, you, you still think it's going to last like another like two months almost. It could, but at the same time, depending on how things went yesterday, right. On Tuesday, um, we could be close. We could be close enough to, you know, having, having a full spring training and having pitchers and catchers report on time as they're supposed to. And like, it's only like three weeks, right. Um, yeah. It's coming up. And we're yeah. at the end of January right now, so yeah. So I mean, I don't know. It's it, it, it's hard to predict. If if I'm being pragmatic about it, I would say we're not going to start on time. CBA is going to get figured out in March, early March, mid March, maybe, um, and have have a rushed spring training. We're going to see a lot of injuries again this year. This is me being a pessimist, um, but me being the optimist that I am perhaps a little bit naively, I think there's still time to figure it out and have, uh, you know, a proper end to the off season going into uh, a proper spring training as well. So I don't know. I can see it going by either way. How about you? I think that we're going to see an agreement by the Super Bowl. Um, I think it's wow. going to be a little earlier. Um, and I think the reason being is because there's, I think that there is this pressure where it's like you, and we've talked about it. We talked about it last week. I think there's this pressure that we had a shortened season in 2020. You know, you had a good 2021 season, you know, people were buzzing that baseball was back. It felt like a normal season again. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, especially with COVID numbers were low for the most part. So you had guys that were like entering COVID protocol occasionally, but the Mets, I mean, from a Mets standpoint, they didn't have any players really on the major league roster miss time with COVID last year, Yeah, um, which is kind of amazing because you did have like that issue where it was like the Mets never 
or maybe they did, but for a long time, they were not at that 80% vaccinated threshold, you know? So it was like, it was this concern that I remember having of like, if the Mets stay in first place, like they are going into like the, like the early fall, like you didn't want this team to get clobbered with like a ton of, uh, like COVID related, like in like injured list placements because these guys aren't vaccinated or, you know, whatever it is. But mm-hmm. for the most part, I mean, the, the Mets, they didn't, that didn't end up happening. I mean, they missed the playoffs anyway, but they didn't, they didn't deal with those uh, COVID related issues, thankfully. Um, yeah. But I think that MLB, like, re- like the players association, I'm sure has to be saying like, listen, like, we cannot afford another lockout. Like we cannot, we can't let this go into the season being the way it is. And I'm and like, the thing is, it's like Rob Manfred and that side is so stubborn and is like very unwilling to like buckle really. Um, right. But, and I get it. I was like the players, like they have needs too. And it's like, these are really the, you know, you have the billionaire owners pitted up against the working players, you know? And it's like the players think they, they deserve, x y and z and they're going to fight for that um mm-hmm. but i think that there's also like this pressure where it's like we need to have a season and we really can't afford to let it you know to have a 60 game season again because truthfully it might wreck baseball it's like baseball might not recover from another short season you know it might not yeah um so well, i mean and you see like you've seen what can happen to like it you know, I feel like this is something that hasn't really been talked about in terms of the baseball lockout, but like NHL is still, in my opinion, kind of recovering from that full lockout season that they had. And then the shortened yeah. lockout season that they had after that as well. Yeah. Um, like, I, I don't know, maybe it's just me becoming more perceptive as I've grown up, but I felt like hockey has taken quite a dip, at least in the public, uh, in the public eye. Like when that kind of nonsense goes on, it's it's super damaging, especially to casual fans. I mean, you're always going to have your hardcore fans. You're always going to have that base. Like fans like you and me, we're not going anywhere, kind yeah. of no matter what happens. But like, I feel like 2021 was such a successful season for baseball that yeah, that pressure is real to to retain those people who you caught the interest of in 2021. You know keep that interest if you can and the easiest way to kill it is to have a shortened season and when you ask someone who's a who became a casual baseball fan recently like what do you make of all this they're like i don't know it's stupid like (laughs) it's i don't know you're right though i mean it's endlessly frustrating it is and it's just like and it also sucks too because it's like we did like we did have the, the shortened season in 2020, which, you know, I've talked about it before. It was like the first baseball season. I really just did not follow religiously. Like I, I, mm-hmm. I knew what was happening. Like, you know, like, like I, I had the updates on my phone. I wasn't watching a ton of games. Um, it didn't feel like a real season because it was only 60 games. It was very hard to get into with no fans there. Like, and like this sprint to the finish line, I watched the playoffs a little bit, but like, like I said, there was like, there was times where I was so disconnected from the Mets where it was like, I remember them signing like Brian Dozier, Melky Cabrera, Jared Hughes, <laughs> like all these guys. And like, yeah, not even finding out about it until like a week later, like whatever, you know, like I had no idea. Yeah. Until um, you see their then, name on like a, 
on like a lineup tweet and you're like wait a second <laughs> yeah 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 it was strange you know and it was like i mean and it's also like it was just weird circumstances it was like i think the 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 anxiety of the pandemic and the uncertainty was like Mm -hmm. it was just hard for me to like really focus on baseball because it just didn't feel right you know it just didn't feel like it was this organic thing um but i you know i was reading a tweet from someone recently and i I think they made a good point i forget who it was um but was someone i follow on twitter and they were like saying how after the lockout in 94 uh MLB, you know, they took a, they took a hit from that lockout. You know, a lot of people were not happy about that lockout and like Mm -hmm. that was really stacked up to be such a good season too. I mean, the Expos were awesome. I believe the Yankees were really good too. Like there was a lot of teams that were in there that were like, you know, it was, it was stacking up to be a good summer, good postseason if it got there. Um, And after that, it was like, that's when you saw like the rise of steroids in baseball and like, that's how they marketed you know, they, they, they marketed Bonds and McGuire and that home run chase, you know, and Sammy Sosa. And, like, that's how they were able to get people back into the game. Mm-hmm. But MLB, as it stands currently, taking away the lockout does not do a great job of marketing their own players anyway. You know, it's like right. how many people that are maybe casual baseball fans could pick Mike Trout out of a crowd, yeah. you know, could – I mean, everyone knows Patrick Mahomes. Everybody knows LeBron James. Everyone knows Kevin Durant. You know, and I'm sure most people even know Giannis on on the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah. Um, you know, people know Tom Brady. It's like the NFL, the NBA. They do a really good job of marketing the players, where MLB doesn't. You know, it's like um, yeah. At the same time, though, I do think like could could someone pick out Mike Trout in the crowd? I would say probably. Um, but like even guys like Fernando Tatis and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. I do think baseball is doing a little bit better of a job of marketing like those young electric kind of talent, uh, kind of guys. But I think that's just natural because of who those people are because of who Fernando Tatis is and who Vladimir Guerrero is like, they're so fun and gregarious people that like, they just naturally attract an audience. Whereas sure. like someone who's more, a little bit more like reserved, like a Mike Trout, you know, like, uh, mm-hmm. or even like, and, and Shohei Otani as well. Uh, I can't believe I didn't yeah. say Otani. Um, yeah. I mean, he's people, people know him for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody knows who but, Shohei Otani is, especially now that he's been on the cover of GQ. Like there's, there's great things happening in baseball and to not start on time would be, a huge disservice not just totally. to your long-term fans but to every fan everyone totally and i agree i think they have gotten better i'd like to see that continue i'd like to see more marquee games you know on sunday night baseball mm-hmm. um like i think about a lot like the subway series this past year at city field where you know the mets and the yankees played against each other on september 11th mm-hmm. and you know that weekend was just so fun and like you know, and then there was that game, you know, where the Mets wore like the old school, like snow white mm. jerseys from that era. And then there was the Sunday night game where Francisco Lindor hit those three home runs and you had the people dancing, dancing on the dugout. Yeah. That was awesome. Yeah. It's like, I, I would love to see more games like that. And it's like, I'd love to see like Mike Trout and Shohei Otani getting more primetime games. Yeah. Um, you know, 
Fernando Tatis, Vlad Guerrero, like just being able to market those guys, continuing to do that, like when baseball resumes, like that needs to happen. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, they really could. And it's a little different, obviously, like, you know, basketball is half the season as baseball is football is once a week. So it's a little different. Yeah. And, and one player can control the outcome of the game, you know, like that's, that's, that is a fundamental difference, especially when it comes to someone like Mike Trout, the craziest thing is like, he's one of the best to ever do it. He is, but he can't carry the team by himself to any kind of playoff success, which is hard for, you know, a fan of basketball or football to like wrap their head around. They're like, this is, this guy's the best player, but he plays on one of the worst teams. That doesn't make any yeah. sense. Doesn't yeah, matter. It's like you look at LeBron James winning in Cleveland, and yeah, he. I mean, he had players around him, no doubt about it. You know, but like some of those and years, Ky- where Kyrie when, was huge for that. Yeah, but there was one year where Kyrie was hurt, right? Where mm-hmm. they made it to the championship, and he wasn't. Yeah. He wasn't playing, and LeBron James like made that a series you know like he really carried that team you know and you look at how often like it's happened in football you know like I mean even even in when the Philadelphia Eagles won a couple years ago when Nick Foles had that game that was just like Mm -hmm. unreal you know he stepped in for Carson Wentz like at the end of that season when Wentz got hurt and he just like you know pretty much like they went they don't win the Super Bowl without him no um base cheer it's a little different with baseball but hoping for the best with the CBA agreements, you know, and see, you know, the, there's certain things that I don't think the players association wants to buckle on, but they're going to try to, they're going to try to get at as much compromise as they can. Um, and so hopefully I'm going to predict the Super Bowl around that time. I think they might miss a week of spring training, but I don't think it's going to go into the regular season. So we'll see if either one of our predictions comes true. Um, hey, I, I hope it's yours. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I hope it's mine too, but I'm I'm kind of expecting in my mind that it's going to be closer to yours. So, yeah. Um, but we posed a question on Twitter the other day, last week, I guess it was, um, and it was something my mom had actually brought up to me, where she was like, "You should ask this question to people and see what they think." Um, when the off season resumes, who would you who do you think is more likely to get traded? J.D. Davis or Dom Smith, and who do you think, if you could pick one, who would you rather have on your team going forward? It's a really interesting question because both players definitely are young enough to still have plenty of trade value. Um, They're established enough in Major League Baseball that they can make an impact on whatever team they could go to or stay with if they stay with the Mets. Um, But, like, for my money, I think J.D. Davis is the more valuable player um, just because he can play more positions. He can, you know, I think he's still a little bit more moldable than, than like a Dom Smith is. However, I like Dom Smith better. <laughs> like, I, yeah. I just think he's, he's such a fun personality. Uh, he's a good baseball player, that's for sure. Um, and I think he he struggled last season, but like he received MVP votes in that weird 2020 season. Like, uh, you know, we I think it's obvious that the the ability is there for Dom. Um, it would be really interesting to see what kind of package deal the Mets could put together with either of those two players. 
Uh, but for my money, I think JD Davis is more valuable, but I would rather keep Dom Smith. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely tough because I do like both guys. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a little bit, I mean, I know that like with JD Davis, it's like, I I've been critical of him um, in the past. Cause he really just is not a good defender. Like he's just like, he's really tough to yeah, watch. No, out not there. at all. And it's and, and, but it's like one of those things where it's like Dom Smith, they met having left field, you know? So it's like, you're not even getting out of him, like what you should be because you have Pete Alonzo at first base, you know? Mm-hmm. And last off season, when I was still at Metsmerized, we did a article called uh, MMO Crossfire, where it was essentially like, you have typically two writers and each, and one of them takes one stance and one takes the other. And it was kind of, it's kind of like an article where you're like, defending your stance but i got two of my other writers in on it with me so it was basically who would you rather have dom smith or pete alonzo and Mm. this was after pete alonzo's great rookie season and then like not as great 2020 season um even though he played okay in 2020 he wasn't bad but it wasn't like a repeat Again, it's so tough. He had a tough stretch, and if you have a tough stretch, that sinks your whole season in 2020. It's only 60 games. Exactly. So it was like – I thought it was a valid question, especially with Dom Mm -hmm. Smith having like a really good 2020. So it was like I argued that the Mets should keep Smith and trade Alonzo. One of my other writers uh, argued the other way, so keep Alonzo, trade Smith, and then one of them argued to keep both, which they ended up doing. Um, but at this point, it's like you like Pete Alonso is not going anywhere. Like yeah. he's he's the face of the team. Um, he's like the homegrown kid. He's he's you know probably going to be the future captain of the Mets. Like he's just that guy who's like household name. Everyone knows Pete Alonso. Like he's a really good player. So Dom Smith is not going to supplant him at first base. Mm-hmm. Um, so. I like Dom Smith better too. I just, I have a soft spot for him. I really like him. I like JD too. Um, you know, when I interviewed him a couple years ago, he was a really nice guy, um, really good interview. Um, and then he had a really good 2019 season, you know, despite his, his defensive shortcomings, mm-hmm. he's a really good hitter. I think that the problem with the Mets is that you just have so many guys that are like out of position almost. Yeah. Where it's like, you know, you have Robinson Cano coming back, you know, you're probably gonna have a DH in 2022. Um, so, but you have so many guys that it's like, well, they could DH, but it's like, you can only have one DH at a time. You're not going to exactly. carry three, three, four guys. You're not going to carry Cano, Smith, uh, J.D. Davis, Eduardo Escobar, whatever. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, you've got to make a choice here. Well, um, I think, I think Escobar is going to be the everyday third baseman. I think he's, I think he's got that position moving forward, um, which I, I think I would be it, would be a good thing for the Mets because he can be solid there. I guess it depends on like what happens with Cano, um, like what you do with McNeil, because in the outfield you have Mark Canna now, you know. So that's also I don't true. know. It's like it's like you have like these 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 questions. Um, I think that if I had it's, to choose, though, it's definitely a bloated would, bench. Like we'll put, I'll put it that way. Like. Like you can't you can't keep all of those guys off the field. You know what I mean? Like it's important to have a deep bench, but I feel like that bench it has starters on it. You know, uh, and I think really it's the, the Robinson Cano situation is really what complicates things because with with Robinson Cano out of the picture, you keep them both in my mind. Um, yeah. 
because you, you got to do something with him. Cano actually was pretty solid in 2020. Um, he could still be a DH kind of player. I do think McNeil will be the everyday second baseman. Cano will fill in from time to time. Um, but I think he will DH and I think there will be a DH too. Uh, come C- yeah, yeah, be come CBA renewal. Yeah. I'd be, I'd be very surprised if there wasn't, it really seems like that's the trend. It feels like it's trending in that direction. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Um, I mean, listen, the Mets could go into the season with both those guys still on the team. Um, or they could trade them both I, for some arms. Or they like, could trade them both, I, I think, I think there are teams out there that would like to have somebody like a Dom Smith or a JD Davis. Um, and, and get some, you know, pitching capital in return, uh, despite how, you know, how at a premium that is right now, you know, everyone's trying to add more pitchers. Uh, so the asking price is going to be high. And I think, I think one of those pieces that you get would be some combination of, you know, uh, a proven MLB product in either Dom Smith or JD Davis, plus a prospect in order to get like a pretty decent pitcher in return. I think with, 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 you know, JD Davis could be traded to an American league team where they're like, we know you're a bad defender. We like your bat. Mm-hmm. You're going to be our DH going forward. And then with Dom Smith, it's like, he doesn't have the opportunity in New York to really play first base on a regular basis. You know, he could play first base and the Mets could DH Alonzo. It doesn't seem like Alonzo really wants that. Like, it seems like he wants to be out in the field. Yeah. Um, and I don't blame him. You know, I mean, he's asserted himself as someone who's able to like chime in and be like, I want to do this. Like, you know, and I'm sure he would do what the team wanted him to do, but I think that you don't really, you're not going to supplant one of your biggest stars like that. And um, he's been good enough and continuously improving at first base. Like, I think that's the biggest thing for Pete in like, I mean, his bat speaks for itself, but the, the defensive, strides that he has taken have been immense i mean i i don't i don't know if you remember this but back in 2018 2017 when you know people were talking about pete and possibly becoming the everyday first baseman there were real concerns about his defensive viability um and i think along along with the the overhaul of defensive approach in the mets organization being more like analytically driven that plus the work that Alonso has put in, I think he's put himself in a position to where you don't want to take his glove off the field. Yeah, of course. Um, that was the big knock on him is that he was, you know, his bat was going to carry him, but his first base defense was going to be a really iffy. Um, mm-hmm. But he he's worked hard. You know, he's worked hard to get to get back to or to get to a point where he's a he's a passable too good first baseman um you know whereas dom smith is a, is a good first baseman defensively but he's also had a lot of ups and downs in his career but you know going into this season being a 26 year old he could be worth it to a team to be like you know we're gonna try you at first base you know we're gonna see what you got um and you have the you have you did have this great 2020 season. You're a first round, former first round pick. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, he could be appealing to someone like that. Um, but yeah, I like Dom. I'd miss him if he was traded. Um, and I would miss JD to a certain extent too. Um, Cause I feel yeah. like he's been on the trading block, like almost his whole time in New York. I mean, he was, <laughs> I feel like he's constantly on the trading block because he has enticing tools. Um, 
and he he's put it together at certain parts. Uh, but he's such a defensive liability that, you know, what do you do with a guy like that? And I think the answer is trade him to an American League team. Send him back to the Astros for all I care. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So the yeah. verdict for you is you want to you, you wanna keep Dom and trade J.D., right? I think so. Um, I might even say trade both. Fair. Fair. I think for me, it's like I would I would keep JD because I think that his bat would play well, and if he's mm-hmm. not in the field, I think he could be really productive. Um, and I would trade Dom Smith in a package to get a starting pitcher over here. You know, whether that's you know a Sonny Gray. I know that the Reds don't necessarily need a first baseman, um, but they could. They're going to need Smith people in the outfield. Yeah, or a DH. You know, I mean, you could or have, as a DH. You could, yeah. have, you could have Joey Votto DH and have Dom play first or vice versa um mm-hmm. but so I, I think i would i'd be sooner to keep jd and trade dom but i would miss dom's personality i know he's really good buddies with a lot of people on the team so um yeah so that's kind of where we're at do you want to wrap up by remembering some dudes um yeah let's do it um so we remembered from the 2000 mets last time I'm going to go back to the 2013 Mets in reference to our Rick and Keel discussion. Um, and I'm going to, I'll, I'll take, uh, let's remember Matt Dendecker. Matt Dendecker. Yeah. What could have good been defense, good defensive <laughs> outfielder from what I yeah. remember. He was. Yeah. He, he had a little great, bit of speed. Great baseball name too. Oh yeah. Totally. The Mets at that point had like the th- like three guys with lowercase D's in their name too. Like you had Darno, Dendek, and Degrom. <laughs> and Degrom, yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right, so if we're sitting on the 2013 team, I will remember 2013. Also, all-time oh. great Twitter handle Upper Decker. <laughs> yep, Upper Decker. He's cool, but I liked him. Yeah. 2013 Mets. I'm trying to think of who I'm going to remember from them. Oh, no, we talked about him already. No, you know what? I'll remember him today. Ch- Kelly Shopik. Yes. <laughs> Kelly Shopik. That was another Traded. one of those uh, Mets moves where I was like, you know what? It's not bad. <laughs> they almost traded DeGrom for him, which can you imagine? Oh, my God. That would have like, been can bad. You imagine, can you imagine that that Cleveland rotation, though, if they, like if they traded, if they got DeGrom in that deal? I think that was – or was that with Boston? That trade, I think um, Cleveland. I'm pulling up Shopik now. Let's see. Yeah, he was on the Red Sox. Oh, so it wasn't even it wasn't even Cleveland. He was he on was he on Cleveland at some point? Kelly Shopik. Yes. Yeah. Okay. In 2013. So he was on the yeah. Okay. So he was traded by the they, Red Sox for a player to be named later. And the Mets sent Pedro Beato. Yeah, the but they Sox. almost traded Degrom. It was either. I think like they traded Piazza, but they, the Red Sox really wanted it wrong. I mean, how? Um, yeah. <laughs> but man, it would really hurt to see Degrom in, in a Red Sox uniform. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Scott Casimir all over again. Literally, dude. Like yeah. even worse, probably because Degrom's like potential and peak has already outperformed Scott Casimir's. You know. Yeah. But all right, so Kelly Shopik and you said Matt Dendecker. Matt Dendecker. Yeah. Awesome. 
but we will catch you guys next week um and i just wanted to give a shout out to before we go off i wanted to give a shout out to uh anthony from subway to shea podcast Uh, i joined him on his podcast yeah um it'll be next week uh so look out for that give subway to shea a follow i'll link it in the bio give anthony a follow really great guy uh they're doing some cool stuff over there so and then be sure to check that out as well so uh shout out to subway to shea and shout out to anthony on that one so nice all right that's all we got see you guys later peace